It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. No LeBron James tonight in San Francisco. Somehow the Lakers are less healthy now than they were when the All-Star break started. That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. This one's always free. It will never be behind a paywall. And Locked on, U- Locked on YouTube, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to, to hang out with over 23,000 subscribers. Uh, talk about what's coming up for the Lakers in the second half, including reasons, Andy, to be optimistic, reasons to be pessimistic. That is a lot of what we will cover uh, on today's show, as the Lakers kick off the uh, what is cer- certainly referred to as the second half of the NBA season, but really it's the stretch run. We're, we're well past halfway. Uh, so we'll break all that stuff down for you. But first, I do want to tell you uh, that today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So um, we'll get to reasons for optimism, reasons for pessimism. Uh, in a moment here, but Andy, maybe one reason for pessimism, health. Somehow the Lakers are less healthy now than they were going into the All-Star break, despite the fact that nobody theoretically has actually played. Well, I, not necessarily, because we'll start with the glass half full. Uh, Cam Reddish and Max Christie have both been upgraded to questionable. So the, there is a chance that those two guys could be available, or at least one of them, tonight in San Fran, and that actually could be very useful because we learned that Christian Wood has been diagnosed with a fusion in his left knee. He's going to be reevaluated by team doctors in approximately two weeks. It's the same condition that Gabe Vincent dealt with that eventually led to his surgery. Make sure everyone's clear. No idea if the severity is even comparable. I'm just saying same uh diagnosis, figure out the severity of that coming up. But it's obviously problematic if they are also going to be without, at least tonight, LeBron James, that problematic ankle that he has been dealing with that kept him out of Wednesday's game in Utah is apparently going to be keeping him out of tonight's game. He's already been listed as out. He mentioned after the All-Star game that he was undergoing treatment before and after the All-Star game, those 13 minutes, and that he was not 100% sure if he was going to be playing. Not the case tonight. We don't know yet about Friday versus San Antonio, but it raises many questions about both LeBron's availability and health moving forward, and also, Brian, why was he playing in the All-Star game? 
I mean, look, I it is one of these things that I guess you know the Lakers in the report, for example, from Dave uh, Brian Windhorst, I should say, uh, at ESPN. It's not something uh, quote there isn't significant concern James will miss extended time. Uh, the hope is this treatment will help him be stronger for this stretch run. So. With all that in mind, I guess, you know, medically speaking, there's the feeling that, um, you know, seven minutes or eight minutes, how many he played? 13. Something like that, 13, right. Um, and in, in this particular game, 13 minutes probably counted as like two minutes worth of effort. Um, but it, I guess the feeling was that for what he was going to be doing, that it wasn't going to be made worse. Um, that said, and, you know, obviously the league is like, you know, Hey, can you do us a solid, if you can get out there for 10 or 15 minutes without hurting yourself and making anything worse, it's the all-star game. It's, you know, a huge TV product. It's, you know, people come to see you, you're a big try, all that stuff. And LeBron is certainly conscious of those things. Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm going to go ahead and assume that the level of risk here was extremely low from a medical standpoint that said i tend to agree with you like if you can't play in the first game following the all-star game and you didn't hurt yourself in the all-star game you probably shouldn't have played in the all-star game i don't know if they if they interfered at all. i would be recklessly speculating on my part to say that they interfered with lebron's recovery or anything like that but the idea that there's no risk whatsoever I don't buy because weird, fluky things happen all the time. If nothing else, that dunk that LeBron threw down, he could have landed awkwardly from that. And we know it because we've seen LeBron land awkwardly from other dunks throughout his career, but also too, just optically. It's a even though I I tend to think LeBron takes these responsibilities seriously when mm -hmm. it comes to promoting the league and being the captain of the all-star team and knowing his stature in the NBA, and, and I think that's commendable. But at the same time, you can't be sending out hourglass emoji tweets and like trying to crank up that urgency and then doing anything that might even slightly jeopardize your return. Yeah. It just it just it look it looks bad to fans too. Cause I, and I know this because I've heard from them. Right. And I I think I think it is important also to understand, like, you know, his lack of playing may, you know, uh, may be related to the type of treatment that he's undergoing, uh, as opposed to the injury strictly itself. Um, you know, where like he needed an extra, you know, four days of rest or something, but it could just be related to the, the type of treatment that he's taking. And, and, you know, there's not a lot of detail about exactly what he's doing. Um, but yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think, I hope, I hope that the optics here are really the thing that is the worst. And I, like I said, I'm just going to take people's word for it, uh, sort of the assumption that, you know, the, the, the actual medical risk was low enough to essentially be non-existent. But you're right. There is no, if you're going to get out there and do something, um, yeah, I might argue based on everything that we've saw in that game and what people have said afterwards that a vigorous workout uh, at the facility might have actually been riskier than 13 minutes. I understand if whatever the program he's supposed to be doing, whatever you know his 
treatment training thing that they've got him on, whatever the protocols are, um, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. It just, it, it is a, if nothing, if nothing else, it's a bad look. Um, I, it, on a scale of one to 10, I'm, I don't think, like, I will say this. I don't think if he hadn't played that he'd be playing tonight. I, I am willing to bet with very strong confidence that playing in the All-Star game has zero to do with him not playing tonight. And ultimately, that's really what matters. But, you know, optics are a thing. So, yeah, it I just, just it, it's, I, again, in the grand scheme of things, do I think this is a major cardinal sin by LeBron? No, but I would prefer that he just have not done the thing, especially, too, after taking off the Utah game. If he had played in the Utah game, I might even have more, I don't know, support for the idea of, okay, you did all of the commitments for the Lakers, and then right. if you wanted to do your perfunctory 13 minutes, okay. If you needed to take that game off, then I would argue you just needed to do everything to stay off your feet and not in, even in a quasi-athletic setting. That's just how I feel about it. That's fair enough. Like I said, I'll, I'll trust that, you know, he wasn't doing anything yeah. um, that, that, that went against, you know, the, the, the medical and training advice. But I, again, I get what you're saying. Um, so let's look at the, uh, the second half Lakers kicking off the uh, stretch run tonight against a suddenly very hot golden state team that um, surely will be excited to try to exact some revenge on that epic, epic game that these two teams played a couple weeks ago. Um, and that comes tonight. What are some reasons to be optimistic about the Lakers over these last 20-something games? We will give you a list next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by LinkedIn. And when you are hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals who are right for the job. And that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all of that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have as many quality candidates. And it's so easy, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So think about that. Finding who you need the first time within a day gives you more time to focus on the big picture goals for your business. LinkedIn even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so the Lakers went into the break um, playing quite well. Uh, they are uh, undefeated with this new starting lineup with Rui Hachimura back in there. 
Um, and you know, so you know, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Um, we, you know, that said, I think there's still a little bit of skepticism. There's still probably some people who are wondering if this is for real. Um, in that vein, Andy, we've got some things. I know you have a, a few items. I've got a few items. I do not know yours. You don't know mine. So curious to see if there's some overlap. Uh, reasons for Lakers fans to be optimistic about uh, the stretch run and and where this team is. Um, well, I mean, what's I, one? I, I've talked a lot about wanting to see Rui Hachimura play more. And in February, small sample size, uh, seven games where the Lakers went six and one. He's averaging about 31-ish minutes per game, 15 points per game on 58% shooting from the field, 43 from behind the arc. He's got the third best net rating on the team behind Vando and Reeves during that period. If you go through five-man data lineup for that period, most of the best ones with any real minutes include Rui. And, you know, he's been streaky behind the arc this season, but he's nonetheless averaging 40%. And that's much closer to, like, no, maybe last season the playoffs represented a breakthrough of sorts than too fluky to care about. Like, it's not insanely high volume. I wish he'd take more than around three a game, but that's not nothing. And for whatever defensive imperfections exist with Rui on balance, they're not hurting the team. And whether it's because the match the matchups that do work in his favor really help a lot overall, overall physicality, they rebound better with him out there, Better offense leads to better defense, whatever. He is actually giving the team, on balance, some of their best collective defensive minutes. So, again, I wanted to see more minutes for Rui. He's getting more, and they're paying off really well. Um, that is a a thing that I had on my list. Um, not just so just for the output that you're talking about, but the Lakers have essentially gotten to this point in the season. Um, and this you'll see is a sort of a theme that I have through a lot of a lot of my my reasons for optimism. If we get to them, our reasons for peps, pessimism, Pepsi. I always said pessimism, uh, pessimism. Um, going forward, they've done what they've done essentially without Rui this year. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's come and gone. Um, there have been some games with more impact than others. But for all intents and purposes, Hachimura has been a pretty big disappointment, at least to me. And I'm, I'm not trying to litigate why or blame Rui for those things. I think a lot of this is based on usage. But regardless, how we got here isn't really the point. The point is that we are here. And the Lakers are in this position having gotten very little from him and can move forward in theory with a far more productive player over their final 40 games, we'll call it, than they had in their first. Um, and so I think that's a big deal. It's like a, a, this Rui is like a trade deadline acquisition because hmm. he's playing that much better than the Rui that was there for the first half of the season. Um, yeah, so he was on my list for that reason. Interesting way uh, of looking at it. Uh, connected to Rui because Rui in the starting lineup and. I think Vanderbilt might have ended up there before Rui had he not gotten hurt. But either way, it leads to Torian Prince going to the bench. And, you know, we've talked about this many times throughout the season. He's been a magnet for criticism in a lot of ways, more as because he's a proxy for Darvin in Laker fans' minds and really anything Prince has done. But in the five games that he's been playing off the bench, again, small sample size, but 
Torian Prince has played really, really mm-hmm. well. Like he's averaged about 10 points a game, which is basically the same as when he started, but the percentages are way better. It's been almost 57% from the field off the bench as opposed to 43% as a starter, 44% from behind the arc off the bench versus 39% as a starter. And it also, too, what's interesting about it is his usage is actually slightly up as a bench player. Like he's been Mm -hmm. driving more. He's been getting more to the line, two and a half uh, trips as a bench player, as opposed to less than one as a starter. It's like he's getting a chance to do more while playing less, about you know four or five minutes fewer per game. He's right on track with around 26 minutes, which is, I think, basically where it should be capped, but it's not too much. A lot of that actually came from one, you know, from the Knicks game where yeah. he, he finished. Yeah. Most of the other ones are much closer to 20. But I, I actually, in a lot of ways, not just happy for the Lakers, I'm happy for Torian because I think he's dealt with so much bleep throughout the year that really isn't his fault. And it's nice to see him actually flourish in this role that fans for a lot of reasons have been dying to see happen. Um, I My next uh, point of optimism, reason to be optimistic, is Austin Reeves. And the reason is there are certain guys, Andy, in every sport that, that have a pattern of playing better, playing worse, whatever, at different times of a season. There are guys who are first-half guys and fade. There are guys who start slow and get hot. Um, last year, I think people remember that Reeves got much better as the season progressed. And you know his splits really started to take off in February and post-All-Star put up these sort of, oh, oh he's going to go play for the national team kind of numbers that that um, really put Reeves on the map. And if you look at what he's done this year, there's kind of a similar pattern here. His February was bonkers. It was really, really, really good. He averaged 20 points a game. He shot 47% from three. He was over 50% from the floor. He had seven assists per game. He had four rebounds per game, a steal, half a block. Like, that is some serious production out of a guy just across the board um, and efficient production as well. And if Reeves is able to then carry this momentum through and this becomes maybe part of his pattern where he's just a, a guy who maybe needs half a season to really hit his stride, um, then the Lakers add the sort of leap Reeves that hasn't really been there this year where you say, you know, he's been aside from that terrible start. He's been good. Like, you know, he's played, he turned around, he's played well, but the leap hasn't come. Well, February was the leap, you know, 20, 20 points a game, seven assists, 47% from the, from three point range, you know, 51% from the, that's the leap. And so if you get that going forward, um, the Lakers are a different team and it's probably not coincidental that uh, they won a lot of those games. So, you know, they they won a lot of games in February with Austin Reeves playing like that. So um, there is some precedent last year to Reeves being able to carry a strong February through to the rest of the season. So that is my uh, second reason for optimism. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned before that Ruby had third best net rating on on the team during the period that I'd cited. Reeves was one of the two guys 
higher than him, and Vando missed a lot of that period. So for all intents and purposes, as far as guys who actually played in all those games and played real minutes, Reeves had the best net rating. When we get back, I got one more quick positive, and in a lot of ways, I think it is actually tangentially connected to Interesting. Yeah. Well, so, my last positive kind of is, and so we'll talk about all of it. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet, just whatever it is, five bucks, that's all. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at 150 bucks if that bet pays off. And you can bet all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live games, same parlays, exclusive props, all sorts of options, which obviously include Lakers, their odds of getting to the NBA Finals, winning a championship, Anthony Davis for Defensive Player of the Year, Austin Reeves, Sixth Man of the Year, all sorts of different options. So again, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so we each have one more positive uh, before we, you know, end the show on a down note. Um, Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? It doesn't matter. Um, I'll go. Uh, my last one, and this is super small sample size, only two games, but I think Spencer Dinwiddie's presence has been a real positive for this team. His comfort level, even in just two games is ahead of what I expected. And I just, you look at the different, I think options that get unlocked and are allowed to happen for the offense, all games, um, just from having Dinwiddie there as another option as both a scorer and a playmaker, facilitator. You can find different ways to maintain offense throughout a game without overtaxing LeBron or AD as much. And with Reeves, we had talked in a recent show about how the best version of Austin Reeves as a playmaker is often the guy that isn't necessarily running sets himself, but can find these opportunities where he can improvise a little bit more and take some of those right. – you know Austin Reeves risks that we talked about before. As I and put it, he's a be- he's a better passer than he is a point guard. Yeah, yeah, I think that's actually a really good observation. And I think having Dinwiddie there as another guy who can maybe start a set, initiate the action, and then get get a defense more scrambled before Reeves has the ball, and then can maybe capitalize on them being in a more vulnerable position where he can use that creativity that at its best can be really good for the Lakers. And I, again, it's small sample size theater, but I really like what we've seen from Dinwiddie so far. I, I, I think he's been a really positive, good pickup. Your positive, your last positive there is exactly the same as mine. And um, so I had Spencer Dinwiddie as a positive. And I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie, both as a person, uh, you know, the player, 
but also what he represents. And, you know, the player, it's, you know, it's a talent infusion. Is it a perfect fit in every way? No, but like, you know, you add a good player, you've added a good player. And the Lakers are certainly in a position where they can accentuate his strengths, hopefully hide some of his weaknesses. You know, he did Dinwiddie and invested Dinwiddie, as we learned in our scouting report with Adam Armbrecht, uh, locked on nets. And invested Dinwiddie tends to be a more efficient Dinwiddie. Uh, and the Lakers need that sort of efficiency from him if he's going to play an important role. But I think it, it's it's you know the role he fills that's also critical here. Like we've spent a lot of time talking about Gabe Vincent's absence, sometimes in the context of you know his point of attack defense, like is something he like you know the extra three point shooting or whatever it is, really that are specific you know qualities that he has. But the Lakers have been playing one of their biggest deficiencies that they've had all year is just playing without a third guard. They have, for most of the season, not had access to a playable third guard. And I'm not talking about LeBron as a ball handler. I mean a guard, like a person who's that's with a G next to their name when you look at their score sheet. That's a huge, huge disadvantage the Lakers have been playing against all year long and that they've filled this spot with a good player helps them you talking you know all the optionality you talked about all that other stuff is you know the 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 flexibility they have the you know the ability to make sure your offense doesn't drop off a cliff um to keep different guys out to rest lebron perhaps hopefully a little bit more all of this stuff is unlocked by having a third playable guard and then it happens to be a good player is gravy so uh you and i are on the same page there well it also it i mean dinwiddie's presence as that positive leads directly into one of the things that gives me concern which is lebron's ankle and mm -hmm. what what that's going to be like for the rest of the season because this is supposed to be in theory where he starts ramping things up on a more regular you know regular tangible basis like on Twitter at Cam Brothers, you know, when I I had tweeted out my opinion that uh, I, that I thought he should have just skipped the All Star game altogether, and someone pointed out to me, you know, this may just be part of a plan where he's not going to be playing back to backs for the rest of the season, and they have him slated to play against San Antonio. And I'm thinking, well, a we we don't know that. Hopefully, that is the case, but we don't know in terms of just his availability for San Antonio. But the flip side is. LeBron not playing back-to-backs for the rest of this season, given everything the Lakers are trying to do, that's not a that's not a good thing. <laughs> like that's not that's not a positive. It, it's not what you want. This is the period where you would want LeBron to be available for all of the games because it's supposed to be where things are ramping up. It may be it is what it is, but in the meantime, until we see evidence that the ankle's not going to be an issue. For the rest of the season, that is something that has me concerned. Sure, and I, I mean, I broadly, I mean, the the they've gotten this far with a basically healthy LeBron James and a healthy Anthony Davis. Um, you know, you you feel like you're tempting fate um, at this point. Like it's just you know, and maybe our expectations of injury were a little overwrought. But that said, it's just like the last few years, the track record. You're just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. Um, I will say, like, I, I think, you know, when it, when you're, when you're talking about LeBron and the 
ankle and you know the, the the all that all that stuff like i'm less worried about the back-to-back thing I mean, they do have a few of them left i think they have three i could look back at the schedule um but to some degree i think the it is what it is with the schedule in the western conference and the relative lack of mobility that they have going for like there is a hard cap on how high they can go like getting higher than sixth is going to be like tricky. I think they, you know the five or six those top four spots hosting a hosting something at home is basically out of the question. Um, I think even then, other than maybe a play in game, that is true. <laughs> Just want to offer all the positives. <laughs> hosting a seven game series in the first round, I should have been more specific. That this ain't happening. Off, that is off the table. <laughs> no. <laughs> and even then, realistically, if Phoenix stays healthy, if Dallas stays healthy, if like these, these teams that are only two or three games ahead of the Lakers, even though they have games against them, you can make that up. Lakers have to win a lot of games to catch, you know, leapfrog, leapfrog three or four teams in front of them. Like that is just, it's a, it's a tall order. And that, while not good and not ideal, and nobody be like, if we could draw it up, we just want to make it in a place where we just can't get much higher than seventh. So we're, like, we're just going to be free and easy. It does offer you a little bit of flexibility to be like, to not go crazy trying to kill yourself and you can still let LeBron ramp it up to he can be the best version of whatever you're going to get from him, um, you know, in hopefully a postseason that again starts in the play-in and moves on to the regular playoffs. I'm, I'm, just less, I'm less concerned about that because I think they have kind of if they, and then fully, you know, you they win nine of eleven coming out of the break, they're going to move up in the standings because of the teams they're playing. But that's also a, a tall order. Sure, um, and so I, I, I think I'm just. I feel a lot of that's already baked in. So maybe I'm just less worried about it at this point. Well, I mean, even if you're not concerned about the advancement in the standings, there's still the question of LeBron's ankle giving him problems. Like, regardless of whether they move up or not, if his ankle is problematic, that's an issue. Oh yeah. So the, I mean, the the injuries, all of it. It's all right. it's any all way you insane. slice it. That's. Yeah. A reason to be concerned. Uh, the next one I had was D'Angelo Russell and a very specific reason. He, I mean, he's been killing it January and February. Uh, last 15 games, he's averaged about 23 points per game on about 46% from both the field and behind the arc, almost nine three attempts per game, uh, almost seven assists per game against just two turnovers. Like he's been spectacular. But he's also had multiple days to cool off and potentially get out of rhythm. And he can be a streaky player as it is. So my concern would be, does the time off accelerate what might have been the inevitable next streak happening? And it really matters because this team is so much different when D'Lo is on versus off with his shooting and his scoring and the overall effect uh, on the offense like Rui recently said that he wants to be the team's x factor and I think he can be in his own right but D'Lo has so much more direct control over a game offensively he is a much better rounded offensive player than Rui and he is still I think at the end of the day the biggest x factor on this team 
So I am really curious to see how D'Lo looks right out of the gate after the All Star break. Yeah, um, I think that you know he's played in the same way that you could look at guys like Rui and be like, oh, we're finally coming around to it. Like any let up in D'Lo is going to be felt. Um, I mean, it's a little bit sort of gets to one of the things I'm a little concerned about is like what what does it look like as teams really start to lock in you get in the, those final 20 games of the season teams really 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 lock in can the Lakers continue to play good enough defense you look at the defensive numbers over the last you know 15 games not you know 10 games it's not been that bad um I think we all have to mentally adjust to the idea that you know giving up 112 points in a game, in the year of our Lord, 2024 is not bad. Like, you know, 160 is not good, but you know, 117 is not necessarily a bad defensive performance. Um, but I wonder as teams really start to lock in, does, is that going to chip away at all at what the Lakers have been able to accomplish offensively? Um, are, is the defense going to hold up uh, with the kind of precision that it will need against the the teams that they're playing. Very good, very difficult schedule. Um, you know, flip side is Lakers are also going to, in theory, be rounding into form, elevating their performance, locking in themselves. But I just want to see what that looks like. Teams starting to take the Lakers a little more seriously. What does it look like? You know, um, I know the cliche, everybody brings their best against the Lakers all the time. That is not always true. Um so we'll see. I mean, I I am probably more optimistic about a team that's four games over 500 than I have any right to be. But I'm feeling okay about where where they are. Oh yeah. I mean, look to to the last point that you raised. My hope would be, given how competitive the Western Conference has been all year, there actually hasn't been a lot of collective let up from a lot of these teams anyway. And you know. There's always going to be another gear that everybody can shift to, um, including hopefully the Lakers. Yeah. But I don't get a sense that the West has been collectively just sort of idling their time and, and waiting. Other than maybe- no, like la- unlike last year when I'm pretty sure it was league mandated. Right. I mean, other than Denver, who I, I think you do get a sense is kind of wake me up when yeah. March rolls around. Um, I think most of the West has been working pretty hard. And like you, I feel pretty optimistic overall heading into this stretch run. So I am excited about what lies ahead. Um, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out uh, with over 23,000 subscribers, all of whom I hope are feeling as good about the second half of the season as we are. Um, and then uh, we'll continue to leave comments and questions and all those other things on the uh, YouTube page. We will try to answer as many of them as we can use them for the show, whether, uh, by name or as inspiration uh, we of course will be back after uh tonight's game against the warriors uh and uh hopefully hopefully talking about another epic win to start off the second half see everyone tomorrow hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today